Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Learn more on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Public Radio Choir with the hymn, Lord, Thee I Love With All My Heart. And should my heart for sorrow break, my trust in Thee can nothing shake. Thou art the portion I have sought. Thy precious blood my soul has bought. Jesus encounters that count of faith in the Gospel reading in Matthew 9, in this coming Sunday, according to the one-year lectionary, and he heals the paralytic. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc., live on this Thursday afternoon, October the 12th, I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll be looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, with Pastor Peter Bender. Then we will review the movie The Creator. Pastor Ted Geese will be alongside for that. And we'll discuss declining abortion rates in North Carolina and Ohio with Dr. Michael New of the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Pastor Peter Bender is pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, and director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Peter, welcome back. Good to be with you, Todd. How does the forgiveness of sins take a center stage in this coming Sunday? Well, the forgiveness of sins takes center stage in the entire life of a Christian, doesn't it, and the church. And I love this Sunday because when the paralytic is brought before Jesus by those who believe in Jesus and carried him on his cot to Jesus, the first words out of Jesus' mouth are, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And that's not what anybody expected. What everybody expected, looking at this guy's problem, he can't walk, he's paralyzed. That's his terrible problem. It's his worst problem. It's not his worst problem. The worst problem is the problem of sin. 
Not only is that the worst problem, but all other maladies flow from the problem of sin. If there were no sin, there'd be no sickness. There'd be no disease. There would be no broken relationships. There would be no hardship and suffering. There'd be no curse of the fall. There'd be no earthquakes and famines and hurricanes and pestilence. There would be no problems if it weren't for the problem of sin. And so Jesus zeroes in on it. Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And he rose up and he walked. So forgiveness of sins is central to every Sunday and the entire life of the church. But it is really the focus of this Sunday. And how the forgiveness of sins, Todd, is that which animates the life of the Christian throughout our earthly pilgrimage. And it is why we love our Lord Jesus, because in him we have the word of forgiveness. When I think about catechism connections for the day, there's lots. But just a couple to highlight the daily significance of our baptism in the small catechism, that we should by daily contrition and repentance have that old Adam in us drown and die with all sins and evil desires so that the new man might come forth and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. And the new man comes forth and arises by the power of the forgiveness of sins. The office of the keys is that special or peculiar, unique power which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners. And in the gospel for the day, they marvel after Jesus forgives sins that he had given such power, God had given such power to men. Confession and absolution. Confession has two parts. First, that we confess. Second, that we receive absolution. That is forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself. And the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer brings forgiveness front and center in the day-to-day life of the Christian, both in our prayers to the Father and in our interactions with one another. We pray in this petition, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them, but we ask that he would give them all to us by grace. For we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. And that theme is picked up in the epistle for the day as well. So as I said, the love and affection for our Lord Jesus is front and center because he forgives my sins. And apart from his forgiveness, I have no life with God. And I cannot live with my brothers and sisters in the faith because there is no faith. There is no comfort. There is no salvation. There is no communion with God. There is no communion with one another. And so the theme for the day, Jesus has given the authority to forgive sins to his church. And we live from this forgiveness in every aspect of our earthly pilgrimage with our eyes fixed upon Jesus. And so that earthly pilgrimage is the trajectory of the hymn of the day, Lord Thee I Love with All My Heart, as we sojourn by the strength of our Lord Jesus' forgiveness throughout our life, we learn to love him above all things and look forward to heaven. And what makes heaven so wonderful is that the Lord who forgives my sins is the one whom I will be with and he with me for all eternity. So, Lord Thee I Love with All My Heart. I pray thee ne'er from me depart with tender mercy. Cheer me, which he does throughout my life by his forgiving word. Let's get into the collect for the day. How does it read? The collect for the day reads this way. Almighty and merciful God, of your bountiful goodness, 
keep from us all things that may hurt us, that we, being ready in both body and soul, may cheerfully accomplish whatever you would have us do. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. This collect, you know, I just got through saying and talking about our earthly pilgrimage is lived from Christ's forgiveness. And that is actually picked up in this collect. The phrase, the things that may hurt us are ultimately all of those things that threaten to destroy our faith in the Lord's forgiveness. As long as our faith in the Lord's forgiveness is maintained, then nothing can hurt us. So the things that may hurt us are those things that destroy our faith in his forgiveness. If we lose confidence and trust in the Lord's forgiveness, then all is lost. The only way that we can, in the language of the collect, cheerfully accomplish whatever the Lord would have us do is through faith in the Lord's forgiveness as the one thing needful apart from which we have no joy. We have no cheer. We have no strength to live the Christian life. So all depends upon our Lord's forgiveness that we may cheerfully accomplish whatever he would have us do, not to earn our salvation, but out of faith in his forgiveness, we accomplish what he wants in love for the neighbor and in service to him. So all depends upon our Lord's forgiveness throughout our earthly pilgrimage. The intro for this coming Sunday is from Psalm 78 and Psalm 35. And it reads this way, Say to my soul, I am your salvation. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears. The Lord saved him out of all his troubles. This is God, our God, forever and ever. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and wonders that he has done. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. So the psalmist is praying for what must be the ultimate comfort for the Christian, Christ's absolution. This is what the antiphon is cueing in on. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Can you imagine? So we're praying to the Lord and asking, Lord, say to my soul, I am your salvation. So, Jesus, say to me, I am your salvation. Jesus, say to me, I am your righteousness, your life, all that you need. I am the rock of your salvation. So all of those kinds of themes here. See, say to my soul, I am your salvation. If we learn to believe this, then we have comfort. We have confidence. We have assurance. We have peace. And we have joy in the living of our lives. And it is all wrapped up in the forgiveness that we have just received from our Lord in the corporate confession and absolution. So it's returning to that, you know, with say to my soul, I am your salvation. That's what he said when through our pastor we heard those words in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. And in this intro, it, it is the wonder and mystery of the gospel of God's forgiveness in Christ that are in the Lord's teachings, the parables, 
the dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us that we tell to the coming generation. So give ear, O my people, to my teaching, the teachings of the gospel. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth, that sweet honey of Christ's mercy and grace that only those brought to contrition and repentance can even make a beginning at fully grasping. I will open my mouth in a parable. That's the Lord speaking to us in mysteries that illuminate the richness of God's grace. I will utter dark sayings from of old, not dark in the sense of there's any evil in them, but the hidden sayings. The message of the cross is foolishness to the world, but for us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the parables of Jesus, the dark sayings of Jesus, hidden from the unbelievers, are that which the Christian and the church relishes because they take us ever more deeply into the sublime mysteries of God's grace. And believe it or not, these are the things that we have heard and known that our fathers have also told us. But like the facets of a diamond, they continue to turn in the sunlight of God's grace, illuminating ever more richly the deep mystery of God's forgiving grace in Christ. And this is what we tell to the the generations that follow these glorious deeds of the Lord and the wonders that he has done for us. The great intro it and what the Psalms are always supposed to do and the the intro it, the gradual, the, the Psalm for the day. The Psalms are to teach us how to meditate, to be still and to be quiet and to reflect upon that which God has done for us in the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And certainly the intro for the day teaches us that. The Alleluia verse, Psalm 98. Psalm 98 is uh, one of the Christmas Psalms, and here it appears on the 19th Sunday after Trinity as part of the Alleluia verse. Alleluia, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Alleluia. This Psalm is singing about the gospel of Christ's forgiveness. The Lord Jesus is the Father's right-hand man and Savior. This is the new song we sing because through his death and resurrection, he has done marvelous things. And we will see a manifestation of that marvelous work in the healing of the paralytic and the forgiveness then that the paralytic receives, which results in the restoration of health and strength to his body, that he is able to leap up on his feet and walk and carry his own cot. That is a manifestation of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, who through the forgiving word has restored that which was broken. So sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things, centers in the gospel of Christ. And we see that marvelous work then at play in the healing of the paralytic. We will get into that account in Matthew 9, the Holy Gospel for this coming Sunday with Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy next. Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, 
And in the Issues Etc. Journal, learn more on the Support Donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. Congregational Sponsor. Deaconesses are women trained to share the gospel of Jesus Christ through works of mercy, spiritual care, and teaching of the Christian faith. The word deaconess means servant. Find out more on how you can serve in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod through the vocation of deaconess at lcms.org slash deaconess. Working in faith, laboring in love, remaining steadfast in the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. LCMS Deaconess Ministry, lcms.org slash deaconess. All theology is Christology. You're listening to Issues Etc. For 160 years, St. John Lutheran Church Child Care and Preschool has been a congregation committed to bringing Christ's salvation to the people of Fredonia, Wisconsin. We gather to receive the Lord's gifts and His divine service to us each Sunday at 8 and 1030. If you're in the northern suburbs of Milwaukee and looking for a traditionally liturgical church, please join us this Sunday. For more information regarding education or enrollment, visit us online at stjohnfredonia.org. Confessional Lutherans are invited to rent a four-bedroom, three-bathroom Table Rock lakefront home in the Ozarks. Table Rock Lake is a premier lake in the heart of the Ozarks for boating, water sports, and fishing. This log cabin-style rental sleeps 12 and is 30 minutes from Branson and 20 minutes from Silver Dollar City. Learn more by calling Swanson Estates, 713-855-2681. Be sure to mention Issues Etc., 713 713- 855-2681. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy is our guest. We are looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary. Take us into this Holy Gospel, Matthew 9, the first eight verses. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic, lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. This is the gospel. Of the Lord. Well, a couple of things at the outside. Getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. His own city refers to Capernaum on the north coast of the Sea of Galilee. It was kind of the home base for Jesus and the disciples. It was the actual home of Peter and the place where Matthew also had collected taxes. A paralytic is a paralyzed man. At the very least, his legs are paralyzed, if not also his arms. In any case, he has to be carried by others on a bed. So he is paralyzed. And the maladies that Jesus heals throughout the Gospels, I like to say, are grand illustrations of what 
sin does to us, what the fall into sin has wrought in our lives, whether it's blindness or being deaf or being uh, corrupted with leprosy. Here, a paralytic, paralysis, is a great image of what sin does to us. It paralyzes us in our relationship to God, and it paralyzes us in our relationship to one another. And so in this gospel for the day, it is really important to underscore that Jesus wants to bring home that the real problem that we all face is the problem of sin. And that any other malady, problem, disease, sickness, and so forth of our lives is caused by the problem of sin. Not in the sense that all are direct causes. If we've done a sinful act, then we see a manifestation of it in something that happens to us. But we have fallen into sin. All of humanity is corrupted and paralyzed by sin, and it manifests itself in all of the maladies of life. So that's why Jesus says to the man, first words out of the box, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven you. He's indicating what the real need is for this man and indeed for each one of us. So he saw their faith, the faith of those who carried this man to Jesus. Their faith was in him. He was the object of their trust. And in that word of Jesus, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. That's absolution, holy absolution. And as I said, it teaches us what the man and our greatest malady is, the problem of sin. And it teaches us that sin is the source of every evil in the world. You deal with the problem of sin and all is made new. So the accusation then comes from the scribes against Jesus of blasphemy. And blasphemy is when you claim authority from God that you do not have. Now, Jesus, of course, had this authority, but the scribes did not believe he had the authority. And the translation here, sometimes I pick on the ESV, but here it's a good translation, authority, which is authoritative power. The Greek word exousia here is what is being used. It's the authoritative power to do something. And Jesus had the authoritative power to forgive sins, but they didn't believe that. And so then he asks them a question. He knew their hearts. And he says, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? Now, he's not asking a question about mere words. Your sins are forgiven. There's four words in English, rise and walk. Those three words in English, you know, they're both about equally difficult or easy to say. That's not what he's talking about. It's not a multiple choice question. You know, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? But rather, Jesus is drawing attention to what they, the scribes, in themselves were wholly unable to do. They had neither the authority or the power to forgive sins, nor did they have the power to say to someone, rise up and walk and accomplish that. So Jesus is talking about performative speech. It would be like at creation. Which is easier, to say, let there be light, or let the earth bring forth vegetation? Well, if we were transported at the time of creation, neither you nor I, Todd, could have said either one and had the authority to carry it off. So Jesus is talking about performative speech, speech that could deliver what it said, speech that could deliver forgiveness, speech that could make a cripple walk. Jesus could do both.
because his word performs the miracles of salvation and the miracles of life that flow from his forgiveness. Then he says to them that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, rise up and walk. Now, here is a difference, isn't there? In this life, we can't see forgiveness from God. But we can certainly see the maladies caused by sin. And we certainly can see if someone is healed from such a malady. But Jesus indicates that by healing the paralytic, he is going to demonstrate that he did indeed have the authority to do the greater miracle, which they could not see with their eyes, namely, to forgive sins. So that we might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said, rise up and walk, and that we might know that he has given this authority or power to men. And that's how the gospel concludes. They marveled. They were afraid, glorified God, who had given such authority to men. And men is in the plural here. The Greek word is anthropois, which is where we get anthropology, the study of mankind and so forth. He does not use the word aner, which would refer to a male human being by gender, but anthropois, which is the plural form of anthropos, which can refer to both men and women. And I think this has significant implications in this gospel reading, both for the office of the holy ministry, that you and I, Todd, as called and ordained servants of the word, have the same authority that Jesus made use of in the healing of the paralytic to forgive sins. But also, every Christian in his or her station in life, as a Christian, has authority to forgive sins for Jesus' sake according to their station. So, I'm a husband. If I forgive my wife for Jesus' sake, that is just as much and every bit the absolution of Christ as when I, as pastor before the congregation, or with a penitent in private confession, say, I forgive you in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus. So it's not a question in this gospel, you know, is this talking about the office of the holy ministry, or is this talking about the Christian in his or her station in life? The answer is both. And so I find this lovely in the office of the keys and confession. How the language is put there, you know, the office of the keys is that special, I like the old word peculiar because that denotes uniqueness, but it is the special or peculiar power which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive. Now, what is the church made up of? The church is made up of both ministers, shepherds, under shepherds of Christ, who in his stead and by his command forgives sins, preach the gospel of forgiveness, administer the sacraments of forgiveness. But it is also given to the mutual conversation and consolation of Christian brethren according to their station and calling in life. And so in this way, if you go back to Pentecost, you see the sons and the daughters will prophesy. That means to speak forth God's forgiving word. So you see in that lovely part of the catechism, 
the peculiar or special power which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive sins. It's exercised both in the office of the ministry and in the royal priesthood of all believers, but each according to their station in life. And what a gift that is. We don't have to wish we could go back to the first century and have been in Capernaum where Jesus would speak his forgiving word. Then I would know for certain that I have it. But we have that certainty now through the power and authority he has given to his ministers and to each Christian in their baptism to proclaim and speak Christ's forgiveness. I'll go so far as to say this. If I go too far with my little grandchild who has done something wrong and then I say to them, I'm sorry I treated you too harshly. And they say, Papa, I forgive you for Jesus' sake. That's real forgiveness. That's real absolution. So the Holy Spirit blows where he wills with the authoritative power to forgive sins in both the office of the ministry and in the royal priesthood of every Christian. We're looking forward to Sunday morning with Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Your link to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October is Martin Luther on Mental Health. It's really amazing the pastoral approach that Luther took with individuals at his time over what we know today to be mental health issues. You find out more about this book at our website, issuesetc.org, or call Concordia Publishing House 1 800 325 3040 and ask for Martin Luther on Mental Health. Practical advice for Christians today. When we come back, we'll be getting into the Old Testament reading, Genesis 28. week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we are rolling right along in our adventures in Acts with charges against Paul, Paul's defense before Felix, Paul kept in custody, the Jews make their case to Festus, and Paul appeals to Caesar. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Have you ever wondered about some of the more difficult topics or teachings of Scripture, such as what does the Bible say about polygamy or slavery or the free will, or what about law and gospel? The October issue of The Lutheran Witness is a twin to the August 2022 issue, and it takes up some of these difficult teachings of Scripture and explains them in detail. To get your copy, visit cph.org witness or the Lutheran Witness website witness.lsms.org. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the world from a Lutheran perspective. Memoria Press's award-winning curriculum is used by homeschoolers all over the world. Their classical Christian education materials provide everything you need for kindergarten through 12th grade, including books, guides, lesson plans, and instructional videos. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world specifically pastors who are asking for additional education, but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. 
By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Real Reformation Radio, you're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Christ Our Savior Lutheran, Elizabeth, Colorado. Glory of Christ Lutheran, Plymouth, Minnesota. Hope Lutheran, St. Louis, Missouri. Lutheran Church of the Resurrection, Waterville, Maine. Our Redeemer Lutheran, Lexington, Kentucky. Redeemer Lutheran, Fort Wayne, Indiana. St. John Lutheran, Corcoran, Minnesota. St. Paul Lutheran, Hancock, Maryland. Trinity Lutheran, Garden City, Kansas. And Zion Lutheran, Fredericktown, Missouri. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support, Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Pastor Peter Bender is our guest. We are looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary, the 19th Sunday after Trinity. Pastor Bender, what is the Old Testament reading for this coming Sunday? The Old Testament reading is the story of Jacob when the Lord comes to him in Genesis 28 as he is fleeing from home and from Esau. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring." Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. So the context of the reading, Todd, is that, as I said, Jacob has left home. His brother Esau hated him and vowed to kill him. Jacob had obtained the birthright from his brother Esau with the bowl of lentil soup, and then he deceived his father Isaac in a conspiracy that he entered into with his mother Rebekah, obtaining his father's blessing intended for Esau but given to Jacob in Esau's place. So Jacob is fleeing from home, and he's all alone on his way out of Canaan. And this is when the Lord met him. 
and in that night confirmed that Jacob was the recipient of the promise the Lord had made to Abraham. Had Jacob been a deceiver? Absolutely. Had he demonstrated that he was wholly unworthy of the promise of salvation given to Abraham and his father Isaac? Absolutely. But that's part of what is underscored by the events that transpired. He didn't deserve it at all, and yet the Lord chose him and called him by that same promise, and he was the carrier of that promise in the genealogy that would lead to the ultimate son and seed of Abraham, our Lord Jesus. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is when the Lord met him, confirming that Jacob was a recipient of that promise. And the nature of that promise is pure grace. It carries the promise of the Redeemer, the seed of Abraham, through whose death and resurrection the blessing of salvation would come upon all mankind. And that promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the gospel. And it is the gospel of God's forgiving grace that we haven't earned and we have not and could not ever merit that is what sustains us and carries along each one of us throughout our earthly pilgrimage. It is the promise of the Lord's protection and defense. And so Jacob learned and then confessed a great truth. The Lord is present wherever his word is proclaimed, wherever his word is received. So he says, the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. But how was the Lord there? The Lord was there and he came to that conclusion rightfully because the Lord spoke his word in that place. So as I said a moment ago, we don't have to be transported back to Capernaum. Our houses of worship today is where the Lord Jesus is through his preaching and through his supper, through holy baptism and holy absolution. And this is why Jacob called that place Bethel, which means house of God. So let us understand that at the heart of the promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the absolution of Christ, that seed of Abraham, an absolution that comes by grace alone and not by works. So there's the connection to the gospel for the day. And then as Jacob leaves home and he goes on this pilgrimage, it becomes, and he will learn throughout his life, that this is his sole strength. And that's something that we must learn as well. The gradual in the psalm, the gradual from Psalm 141, two verses. O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So this is a verse that is understood best in the context of the Old Testament church's daily worship at the tabernacle and later the temple. When sin was confessed, and sacrifices for forgiveness were offered daily. So think of these words being in the mouth of Jacob. You know, it follows after the Old Testament reading, O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. He's hated by his brother. He has to leave home. Let my prayer, this is the prayer of a broken and a contrite heart. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, O Lord and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. 
So we think of these words being in the mouth of Jacob, and then we can identify with Jacob, with his failings and his sins, with his unworthiness. And we should think of these words as being our prayer as well. When it says in Psalm 141, let my prayer be counted as incense. Here again, I'll give kudos to the translation to be reckoned as incense. It's a reference to how our prayers for forgiveness are sweet incense to the Lord when they are offered through and on the basis of faith in the Lord's promise of mercy, rather than any notion of them being offered on the basis of our merits. So that's a great prayer in Jacob's mouth, and then as we identify with him in our mouth as we move toward the epistle reading. The other option is Psalm 84, and verse 8 is the antiphon in that psalm. And if Psalm 84 is used, it especially develops the confession that Jacob made in the Old Testament reading, that the Lord is present wherever his word and sacraments are preached and administered. Beth El, Beth House El of God, the house of God. This is what the house of the Lord is all about. The Lord himself dwells with us, abides with us throughout our earthly pilgrimage, even as he did with Jacob, as we continue in the Lord's house, in his word, in his sacraments. That's why his house is lovely. So Psalm 84 reads this way, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Verse 3. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Pausing here, if you think about the portable tabernacle that was set up and taken down, and sometimes for, for weeks and even months it stayed in one place, and sparrows would find a home there, and the swallow would make a nest there, and even hatch young there. So it's kind of a great illusion how... The gospel of Jesus Christ is not only that which makes him present with us wherever it is preached and proclaimed, but the gospel of Christ and his word is a benefit to the whole world. You know, to all of creation finds its life and the renewal of life in the gospel of Christ. So the psalm goes on, At your altars, O Lord God of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion, or whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they go through the valley of Baca, that speaks of our earthly pilgrimage. The valley of Baca is the valley of weeping or tears. They make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. So there's weeping and sorrow in our earthly pilgrimage, but there's also the water of life that sustains us along the way that is centered in Christ. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. That's a reference to Christ is our shield. Look on the face of your anointed. So we pray to the Father, look upon your son Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. Look upon him for my sake. For a day in your courts where we are clothed with our shield, Christ Jesus, a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness, because the Lord is there. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. 
O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So you can hear this Psalm 84 as being kind of an expansion upon the wonderful confession that Jacob made. This is none other than the house of the Lord. And how awesome is this place? We will get into the epistle for this coming Sunday with Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy right after this. Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October. It's written by a Lutheran layman, Dr. Stephen Saunders, professor of psychology at Marquette University. Martin Luther on Mental Health is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040, or learn more at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Martin Luther on Mental Health. In the mid-19th century, German immigrants boarded ships to cross the Atlantic Ocean for a new land called America. Opportunity, unknown challenges, and preserving their Lutheran heritage awaited them after their months-long journey. Learn more about the humble beginnings of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in the latest issue of Interest Time. Visit interesttime.org to request your free copy. We're supported by listeners like you. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. There's still time to order church banners for Reformation Day and the season of Advent. Ad Crucem's church banners use the highest quality fabrics and allow you to decorate your sanctuary on budget without compromising the confession of the season or festival. Learn more at adcrucem.com, A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M.com. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary. Pastor Peter Bender is our guest. The epistle reading from Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 22. It begins at verse 22, Todd, to put off your old self. So I'm going to pick up a phrase in the verse just ahead of this. You have learned, Christ, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, 
Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is the word of the Lord. This epistle is a wonderful extension of the forgiveness of holy absolution that Jesus gave to the paralytic in the gospel for the day, to how that forgiveness is given to us in the holy absolution that we receive from our pastors and that we share amongst each other within the body of Christ, the royal priesthood of all believers. The context of the epistle begins with that earlier phrase from actually the beginning of verse 21, which is not a sign for the day, but the context is helpful because that earlier verse began with, you have learned Christ, and then there's a parenthetical phrase, and then it resumes at verse 22, to put off your old man. So you put the two together, you have learned Christ to put off your old man. How about that? You have learned Christ to put off the old and to put on the new. Now, I have at times extolled the translation of ESV. Here I'm going to take a little bit of exception. Old self and new self are used in ESV here, but it's not an accurate translation, but what we might call an interpretation. The actual text reads old man or old Adam and new man or new Adam. So old man or new man, and why is this important? It takes us back to the origin of sin and the origin of salvation. The origin of sin is in Adam's fall, and we are all partakers of that, whether we are men or women. So old man is correct. Even in the catechism that I mentioned earlier, the daily significance of baptism, that our old man should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die. That is correct even for a woman to say. Her old man must die. That's not referring to her husband. But her old man refers to the nature of sin that she's inherited from Adam. So old Adam is correct, or old man in both contexts. So also new man. The origin of salvation is in Christ, the new man. And so this is highly baptismal. So you have learned Christ as Christians. Your catechesis, your baptism into Christ has taught you this. Namely, you have learned Christ to put off the old man in contrition and repentance in confessing your sin, which is substantive and part and parcel of the Christian faith and life. And you put on the new man, that is to say, you've received the absolution, been clothed afresh with the righteousness of Christ. You have learned Christ in such a way that you have learned to put off the old Adam in contrition and repentance and confession, all that belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And you have learned Christ first in your baptism, and you continue to learn Christ to be renewed in the spirit of your minds by his absolution, to put on the new man, which is Christ Jesus and his righteousness in that absolution, which clothes you afresh with the righteousness 
of Christ that you received in your baptism. So to see in the language of Paul in Ephesians 4, the daily significance of one's baptism concretely in terms of confession, absolution, the drowning of the old Adam, the putting off of the old man, and the reception of the new man, Christ Jesus, being clothed afresh with his forgiveness is highly significant. If you ask the question, how do we do this? How do we put off the old and put on the new? Well, this is what it's talking about. So having put away all falsehood in this epistle is the call to live in the honesty of a repentant faith, in confession and absolution with one another within the body of Christ. Repentance is angry about sin, but it deals with sin by honest confession and by honest, sincere forgiveness within the body of Christ, lest the devil have opportunity to destroy the life of the congregation with grudge-bearing or harboring resentment. And repentance means that the thief renounces stealing and turns from it and works honestly with his own hands to serve his neighbor in need. So what the epistle does, Todd, is really sort of extrapolate from the forgiveness that Jesus gave in the gospel, the forgiveness that sustained Jacob in that Old Testament reading and would throughout his entire earthly pilgrimage to the day-to-day life of the Christian and the church of Jesus Christ in the here and now as we live from our baptism in daily contrition and repentance with the absolution of Christ being that which carries us along throughout our earthly pilgrimage as it also did for Jacob. How would you summarize this coming Sunday in terms of law and gospel? Let me just reemphasize a couple of things. Number one, the law must address sin as the source of all our maladies and our biggest problem. And then it must address the denial that God has given the authority to forgive sins to his church and her ministry. So any denial of that has got to be addressed. Is, is, is that the use of the law when we address such a denial? I think it probably is, even though what we're denying is the gospel. So it's a word of the law as it uncovers our mistrust, our doubt of the promises of God. So that has to be addressed here, that we might learn to believe that, that Christ's word really is present in his church today as much as it was in Capernaum centuries ago. Because that leads us to the unique gospel for the day that gives comfort. Jesus' word gives what it says. Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? Well, I, in my strength, can't do either. But Christ not only speaks those words, but his words give what they say. And now he's extended that authority to me as a called and ordained servant of the word. And he has extended it to the members of my congregation, the baptized faithful, to forgive one another. So Jesus' word gives what it says. And number two, I forgive you all your sins for Jesus' sake is true. And it is the source of every spiritual grace and blessing. And number three, Jesus is present in the here and now with comfort and protection and peace wherever his word is preached and his sacraments are administered. Pastor Peter Pender is pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin. He's director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Peter, thank you. You're welcome, Todd. In hour two of Issues Etc. on this Thursday, October the 12th, we will be reviewing the movie The Creator with Pastor Ted Geese. He says whether or not the makers of this film intended it, it is deeply anti-Christian. We'll find out why 
after the break. Then we'll discuss declining abortion rates in North Carolina and in Ohio with Dr. Michael New of the Charlotte Lozier Institute. We'll also get a little preview of a big vote in Ohio coming up on what's called Issue 1. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois, is happy to support the Christ-centered, cross-focused ministry of Issues Etc. Join us for worship, Bible classes, youth ministry, and other opportunities to grow in Christ. We have a Christian day school for children in preschool to eighth grade. We are located at 1300 Beltline Road. Call us at 618-344-3151 or visit www.goodshepherdcollinsville.org. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.